Hello, this is R.J. Deacon, reading the Supreme Court of the United States Opinion Syllabus in Azar, Secretary of Health and Human Services versus Alina Health Services. Certiori to the United States Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia Circuit. Argued January 15th, 2019. Decided June 3rd, 2019. The Medicare program offers additional payments to institutions that serve a disproportionate number of low-income patients. That's 42 U.S.C. Sections 1395 WWD5FII. Uh, these payments are calculated in part using what is called a hospital's Medicare fraction. The fraction's denominator is the time the hospital spent caring for patients who were entitled to benefits under Medicare Part A, while the numerator is the time the hospital spent caring for Part A entitled patients who were also entitled to income support payments under the Social Security Act, Section 1395 WWD5F6I. Congress created Medicare Part C in 1997, leading to the question whether Part C enrollees should be counted as entitled to benefits under Part A when calculating a hospital's Medicare fraction. Respondents claim that because Part C enrollees tend to be wealthier than Part A enrollees, counting them makes the fraction smaller and reduces hospitals' payments considerably. In 2004, the agency overseeing Medicare issued a final rule declaring that it would count Part C patients, but that rule was later vacated after hospitals filed legal challenges. In 2013, it issued a new rule prospectively readopting the policy of counting Part C patients. In 2014, unable to rely on either the vacated 2004 rule or the prospective 2013 rule, the agency posted on its website the Medicare fractions for fiscal year 2012, noting that they included Part C patients. A group of hospitals, respondents here, sued. They claimed, among other things, that the government had violated the Medicare Act's requirement to provide public notice in a 60-day comment period for any rule, requirement, or other statement of policy that establishes or changes a substantive legal standard governing the payment for services. That'd be Section 1395HHA2. The Court of Appeals ultimately sided with the hospitals. The Supreme Court held uh, the decision as affirmed, and Justice Gorsuch delivered the opinion of the court. Because the government has not identified a lawful excuse for neglecting its statutory notice and comment obligations, its policy must be vacated. This case turns on whether the government's 2014 announcement established, a, established or changed a substantive legal standard. The government suggests the statute means to distinguish a substantive from an interpretive legal standard, and thus tracks the Administrative Procedure Act under which the substantive rules have the force and effect of law, while interpretive rules merely advise the policy of the agency's construction of the statutes and rules which it administers. That's Perez versus Mortgage Bankers Association. Because the policy of counting Part C patients in the Medicare fractions would be treated as interpretive rather than substantive under the APA, the government submits it had no statutory obligation to provide notice and comment before adopting the policy. The government's interpretation is incorrect because the Medicare Act and the APA 
do not use the word substantive in the same way. First, the Medicare Act contemplates that statements of policy can establish or change a substantive legal standard, section 1395HHA2. While the APA statements of policy are not substantive by definition, but are grouped with and treated as interpretive rules, 5 U.S.C. section 553BA. Second, section 1395HHE1, which gives the government limited authority to make retroactive substantive changes in, among other things, interpretive rules and statements of policy, would make no sense if the Medicare Act used the term substantive as the APA does. Because interpretive rules and statements of policy, and any changes to them, are not substantive under the APA by definition. Third, had Congress wanted to follow the APA in the Medicare Act and exempt interpretive rules and policy statements from notice and comment, it could have simply cross-referenced the exemption in Section 553BA of the APA, and the fact that Congress did cross-reference the APA's neighboring good, co good cause exemption found in Section 553BB, C, Section 1395HHB2C, strongly suggests that it acted intentionally and purposefully in the disparate decisions. Uh, Russell Lowe versus United States. The Medicare Act's text and structure foreclosed the government's position in this case, and the legislative history presented by the government is ambiguous at best. The government also advances a policy argument. Requiring notice and comment for Medicare interpretive rules would be excessively burdensome, but courts are not free to rewrite clear statutes under the banner of their own policy concerns, and the government's argument carries little force, even on its own terms. Because this court affirms the Court of Appeals judgment under Section 1395HHA2, there is no need to address that court's alternative holding that Section 1395HHA4 independently required notice and comment. Nor does this court consider the argument, not pursued by the government here, that the policy did not establish or change a substantive legal standard and so did not require notice and comment under Section 1395HHA2 because the statute itself required the government to count Part C patients in the Medicare fraction. The decision below is affirmed. Justice Gorsuch delivered the opinion of the court, in which Chief Justice Roberts and Justices Thomas, Ginsburg, Alito, Sotomayor, and Kagan joined. Justice Breyer filed a dissenting opinion. Justice Kavanaugh took no part in the consideration of this case. Thank you for listening. Uh, if you'd like to reach the podcast, we can be reached at roadsscholar80 at gmail.com. That's R-O-A-D-S and 880. Um, just looking at shows, yeah, it was appealed from the uh, uh, District of Columbia Circuit, which is why Justice Kavanaugh recused himself.